0: The views expressed by your hosts Austin and Landon are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's tycoons.
1: Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live this week from Park City, Utah. And I must tell you, it is absolutely gorgeous here. Very green. The uh, the mountains are incredible. So I wish I was outside enjoying the mountains, but instead I'm here with you guys and I'm excited to do that as well. And I'm always joined by my co-host, the best co-host in the business, Landon Mance from Las Vegas, Nevada. Landon, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. You bet. And so before we get to our guests today, just uh, wanted to get this out there real quick. If this is the first time you're listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, we encourage you obviously to find us on your favorite podcast platform and, and like and subscribe. As well as our YouTube channel, but we are a, a business radio program or a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. Landon and I are both small business owners. We're partners in a in a wealth management firm, and we're based in Las Vegas and Scottsdale, Arizona. And we come from entrepreneurial families as well, so it's kind of in our blood. And we put together this program about a year and a half ago to give small business owners an opportunity to tell their story, come in here, share some advice, and. We certainly have some tycoons on the show today. We're excited to have Jonathan Brooks, president and Rhett Doolittle, CEO of Business Warrior. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks
2: so much. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, excited to talk to you guys. So before we jump into the business side of things, we always have uh, our guests tell a little bit about themselves personally, uh, gives us some insight into your background and how you kind of got to where you are. So Jonathan, why don't you go first, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, if you have a family, kids, any of that kind of stuff, and then just uh, kind of what led you to this journey today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a good Midwestern guy. I uh, grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and I lucked out when I was 19 years old, and I started out as an intern uh, for a a big telecom uh, called Cox Communications, and ended up just having a cool journey over 15 years, uh, doing a bunch of different roles within corporate America. But um, through my wife, I I uh, met Rhett and, uh, man, Rhett and I just had a very infamous dinner one time over sushi where, uh, we talked a lot about our values. And at the end of the day, what's happening with small businesses in America. And, you know, I had the benefit of a big company, big dollars and small businesses don't always have that chance. So hearing Rhett's story and hearing what Rhett had gone through, I think he had 10 years on me at, at that point in terms of, Fighting for you know several thousand small businesses on his own right, I just I was inspired to join up with them and to become the business warrior team that we are today. So ended up having a small business marketing agency with them, and then you know we had this great idea of scaling up with software and solving a much bigger problem across the United States, and that's where business warriors today. So I'm married. I have a lovely wife. I don't have kids, uh, although uh, we're, we're in process of that. So uh, it'll be an exciting time over the next couple of years for us. But I'm looking forward to not only today, but you know, again, just thank you guys so much, and I'll kick it over to my uh, partner, Rhett.
1: Awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, on on the baby making front, I'm a strong believer in practice makes perfect.
2: <laughs> yes, Uh I got. Uh, yes, I got to say that it's a good. It's a good thing, man.
3: <laughs> uh, for me, I grew up in uh, Northern California. Niners fan. He, Jonathan's a Chiefs fan, so we have that to uh, talk about. Go Chiefs. Once we were there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, grew up in Northern California, ended up going to Arizona State and uh, staying there. I also joined the telecom uh, venture after college and went to work for AT&T and always had a gut feeling that I was just kind of meant for something bigger and do something bigger and was just really sick of the red tape at working at a you know big Fortune 100 company. And But just didn't know what that opportunity was or when, but kind of always had a feeling like I was going to... You know, pull the trigger when the time was right. So eventually I did um, ended up starting a credit card processing company. That's what that Inc500 poster is up on there. It was We reached number 18 on the Inc500 fastest growing companies in the United States, number one in Arizona. It was a great run. but like Jonathan said, went through some serious battles ourselves, funding it ourselves, getting outside funding, uh, you know, scraping it together, you know, having our money stolen and going down to zero and having it start all over again. Uh, you know going through that and then and then doing it all over again, so sold that company, uh relaunched this company, and kind of going through all that again, thinking like man i would never have, I'm never gonna have to go through that ever again after you know taking some cash after the first one, but we did, uh but now it's just that much better so um the one thing that I've always had a passion for is helping small businesses, so even in the credit card processing industry, it was you know trying to find how we could Find a way how we can help these small businesses save money. But that wasn't that sexy or exciting to me. It was like, yeah, you're gonna save whatever, 10, 20, even a couple hundred dollars a month. Is that really moving the needle for the business? No, but what along the way, I traveled all over the United States, met with hundreds of small business owners in person, had a sales staff all over the country, uh, and went out and met with just so many, had so many appointments with my sales guys, 30 sales guys over the country, and just saw over and over and over again what, you know, was what made small businesses successful, and then what also was really holding them back from success. And I think the one thing that they all struggled with was, you know, making it having an easy and predictable way to go find new customers. So when we launched this company, um, that's that was the number one goal is trying to make it easy to find and acquire new customers. Um, I also thought that just technology has just advanced dance so much that you know not every small business needs to have thousands of dollars to spend like on a, in a on a marketing agency to go do it for them a lot of this can be done through technology but they just they're afraid or they've been burned or they, maybe they tried technology or they it's just they don't know it so how do we break down that wall so that was you know that goal has always been since you know the day one of launching this company but it's really transformed over time since you know, we finally launched our own software a couple of years ago and, and things really started to come to life. But that passion is there, helping that small business owner not just get by, not just pay his minimum payments on it on, or her on, the, on their credit card payments that they probably racked up to get the business started. But how do they really take that next stage to really grow and make it the business that they dreamed of and go back into their passion of when they really first started that business? How do they get back to that? So you know, that's what we've, we're creating with Business Warrior.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. There's there's one thing, really, maybe two things that I want to hone in on that you said that you know maybe some of our listeners didn't pick up on, but it's interesting to me that you said I felt like I was meant for something bigger, right? And and the funny thing is, you guys both worked for very large organizations, but bigger to you means to go smaller, which I think is awesome. You know, the, the reality, as I say it all the time, small business is big business. Like we, we believe, I mean, the, the name of our firm is, is Backbone Planning Partners because the small business owner truly is the backbone of the American economy. Most people in this country work for a small business, not a large business. And most small businesses, and you kind of hit on this as well, Rhett, most small businesses don't fail because they don't have a good idea or they don't have a good process or a good service or they're not doing good work. They fail because they can't acquire enough customers or clients. Yeah. Right. So I I think that that's awesome and a a great way for us to kind of kick this off. So I'll throw this question out to either one of you. Maybe both of you want to answer it, whoever wants to go first, but in your opinion and what you guys are seeing and building this business and doing the things that you're doing, what is the, the current state of small businesses? Right. I mean, we just were kind of hopefully at the tail end of this worldwide pandemic, but Just overall, you could talk about COVID-19, but just what's the current state of of small businesses, in your opinion, in America?
3: I think one is we're seeing a huge uh, increase in small businesses created. And I mean, obviously, COVID was a huge factor in that, right? It's people really looked at their lives, their personal lives and their their business life. And do they want to go back to work in that job? Or is this kind of like, I think for a lot of them it was a catalyst to either start something Make that switch. Maybe they let go, got let go. Maybe they had some capital and like now is the time. Maybe they're just starting a side hustle. But the stats are showing that there's just this huge increase in small businesses. So you have all these new businesses getting created, but then you still have a ton that are still figuring out how to make it. I would say overall, it's I'm still shocked at how many don't leverage technology to improve their business. So I think you have I don't know if you want to call it millennials, but like that new business, and it's not really age based but there's that people that are kind of forward thinking and using technology technology there's that that still is the minority in small business owners. the vast majority we're still seeing do not leverage technology they're still afraid of it and and then and but also the people that leverage technology, they also think that like they can just kind of lean on some of the like technology like Automatic calendar uh, appointments or uh, social media posts or Google pay-per-click ads, but they don't have the, that grunt work of having to pick up the phone and make the sales calls. And so there's still this gap on, you know, I think the ones that really succeed are the ones that figure out the ones that, because you can't just, you know, using all the technology in the world, get a high-quality lead. But if you don't have the skills to pick up the phone and close that sale or make the appointment or deliver the products or have good follow-up service, then you're going to fail. Um, so I still think that that you know I hope that it's changing. Uh, there's so much technology, so many great solutions out there, not just ours. I mean, there's just a plethora of options for small business owners. But I hope that you know this wave of uh, new business owners comes around and that they really try to leverage technology because it will make you it'll make a small business owner more profitable, more efficient, um, and you know not have to burn as much cash from the beginning. And I think,
2: uh, I think there's a kind of an interesting perspective around, you know, it's like the digital divide. So there's almost the have and the have-nots of small business right now. The haves is what Rhett just mentioned. You know, they have figured out how to leverage technology to propel their business. Um, the have-nots, it's almost two buckets. You either have too much technology that you don't know what to do with. So then you just have all these tools and you're like, uh, I still am not getting customers. Or they're afraid of technology and they're resistant to it. And I think what COVID showed a lot of small business owners is, you know, leaning into technology is, is an okay, good thing, actually. Um, relying on foot traffic and somebody kind of stumbling into your store really is not going to happen that much anymore. Even with the return of businesses in America and, you know, the vaccine, the mask and all that, you know, th- there's still not the foot traffic that that is going to be like the days of old. So you got to innovate on how you do that. And you got to innovate in the most, you know, predictable and intelligent way without burning yourself out. I mean, you know, Rhett, Rhett and I joke like we have meetings, I think every 30 minutes now, but it's because we're in build mode. We we could be over inundated with technology, but we're choosing not to be like we're, we're taking a lot of steps for ourselves on mental health and creating the space and like being really careful with our time. Because technology could completely overwhelm a business owner and you're not any more profitable or or efficient. So I think, you know, being aware of that's super key
1: right now for a business owner. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, this, you know, everybody throws around this term Zoom fatigue, right? And, and I mean, we're on Zoom right now, right? Ironic. But <laughs> it, it, is, it is real. I mean, the, the reality is when this really kicked off, so I was using WebEx and Zoom prior to the pandemic, but not nearly as much as I use it now. And the first kind of few weeks of the pandemic, Landon and I were both in, you know, proactive outreach mode to our clients to make sure that they knew, hey, we've got your back. We know what's going on. You know, this was obviously unprecedented, but we did plan for this. And so, because of that, we were literally back to back to back to back to back Zoom meetings, making sure that we're, you know, staying in touch with our clients and they're seeing us face to face and and feeling that calmness that can only be provided sometimes by that face to face interaction. And Zoom is kind of that next best thing. But I don't see us ever going back. I mean, Landon and I in our own strategic plan have by the end of 2022, the plan to have 90% of all of our meetings virtual. And, And there's a reason for that. It makes us more efficient and it makes our business owner clients more efficient. Just having to drive 30 minutes or an hour to each other's offices back and forth is a waste of energy and time that can be avoided by, by doing it on Zoom. And we're actually more efficient in sharing the data and the information with them that we want to share with them by being able to put it right on the screen in front of them, even compared to having a, a TV in our conference room, for example, with our clients.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, I think an interesting thing that, that we're seeing, um, and we put pressure on ourselves to simplify the software is that put yourself in the shoes of somebody who works at a boutique and spends on their feet from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then now all of a sudden, they're trying to plug in to understand how do you go and launch a Facebook ad? How do you update my Google My Business? Like, they're exhausted by the time they get there at the end of the night, and yet it's still something they need to do. So helping them balance between being on the floor and being present as we reopen and small businesses reopen, and then still put focus on tech I mean, I think that's going to be the next kind of great owner's leap is how do you get the best of both worlds without burning yourself out?
1: Yeah, agreed. And, and I want Landon to jump in here, actually, and talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned the boutique and specifically, you know, retail boutiques or fashion or, you know, those types of retail stores. It, it's, gonna, it's a different animal. And, and the reality is we had a guest on our program who happens to be Landon's sister that owns a boutique fashion store in Long Beach, California. And she's done a phenomenal job of doing exactly that. And part of it was she was doing it prior to the pandemic. But maybe Landon can talk a little bit about what she's done. And and I think you guys will appreciate that.
4: Yeah. So as partners, Austin, and I we, we don't just finish each other's sentences. He actually starts mine because I was <laughs> just about to say something about that. Yeah. Yeah. My sister started a women's clothing boutique uh, about, I think it's been close to ten years now and um, started out from from zero and has built it up to you know a couple million bucks in revenue and very successful now and um, she spent a lot of time inside of the store and uh, she has she had an online presence prior to covid I think her sales were about half and half roughly and it was interesting because as COVID was unleashed upon us, and she uh, immediately adapted and pivoted her business to essentially 100 percent online, as we started to come out of it, and I was having a conversation with her, you know, I just said to her, "You know what? Tell me about the breakdown of your business, you know, what's, what's, what's coming in in person and what's coming through the online store?" And she said something to the effect of, "Well, it's about 90 percent." online and i'm like close down your store close it down this is the perfect opportunity for you i mean think about the headache that you'll save the overhead that you'll save just keep your little warehouse and close down your storefront and you'll get you know you'll get 10 hours of your life back every week and uh she couldn't. She couldn't do it. Well, because... I, I was
2: going to say, you're ready for an argument on that one because I mean, I think it's the experience of small business that still is the differentiator. Like, yep. I, I can't, I can't, I, I, you know, test things on Amazon, but if I want something like good jeans, I go to the store. a store, yeah. and I still think that. So I would argue, no, keep it open.
4: <laughs> yeah. So absolutely, and it, it's a valid argument. And and to your point, or or maybe Rhett said this, but it's how do we how do we figure out that that right mix of efficient technology and in-person experience because there there are pros and cons to both i've got i've got a a client that uh owns uh several very well-known fast food chains restaurants since covid you know they shut down the lobbies and his business has i mean just Exploded. I mean, the last couple of years, with you know the lobbying being closed, everybody being forced to drive through all of the uh, meal delivery services, you know, now that are available, and um you know, he said if it was up to me, you know, I would I would close all of my lobbies permanently because his business is operating so much more efficiently, and the margins are so much better when people drive through as opposed to actually come into the store. But yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see how this all plays out and how, you know, how this is going to, you know, change. But well, if you think what we're talking
3: about, like we're talking about questioning whether they should ha- have a retail store, right, or a, or a physical presence. The other way, I don't I mean, just two, three years ago, it was, I'm doing fine with foot traffic. I can do, you know, I can survive without Uber Eats or I can. Now it's like, no, that's the standard and the the question is the other piece now that has completely shifted 100%. I mean same for us. We went covid came and we shut down our office, we went all virtual. Now we've got, you know, we're able to recruit all over the country and get amazing talent for, you know, I wouldn't say less cost, but you know, the talent that we need when we need it for in our budget. So we have employees in North Carolina, Texas, to Portland, Chicago and Phoenix and Vegas. So it's But do I think that we need an office again? Yeah, we get together and there's a lot of value to being in person. And like, I don't know if we even have the exact mix figured out yet. I would love to, ideally it would be like, yeah, there's, you know, shared space and you go there once, twice a week, but how do you get somebody from North Carolina to come once, twice a week? You can't. So, you know, we're kind of toying with the idea of doing quarterlies or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. It's absolutely. definitely flipped for every business, even a restaurant. I mean, it's like yeah, drive-through, delivery, that like now that was like a question. That that's the standard now. It's totally flipped, which is interesting.
4: Yep, absolutely. So we have got a little bit of your guys' backgrounds. Um, you guys have a lot of experience starting, running, even exiting out of some small businesses, and you you you've kind of uh, alluded to what you guys are doing now, but break it down for us. Who, who's business warrior? What do you, what do you guys do? And uh, tell us how you're helping small business owners.
3: Yeah, that's, um, we have been through the, the whole uh, the ringer a few times, but that's the great thing is we've really been in their shoes of every small business and we really want to make it easier for a business to, to succeed. So you, it's pretty simple. You go on our website and you click to start and you just, it's a business just types in their business name And right away we're pulling data about them. And this is just public information. So just using public information, we don't ask for much. So there's no commitment or anything like that. And then we're able to really find out what's holding them back from getting more new customers. We give them a score so they can track that score and how they're doing over time. And then not only do we show them the problems, but then we give them a pathway on how to fix it. They can either, you know, if they know how to fix it themselves, great. Use our software. It's free. You know, use use our software to verify that it's fixed. Watch your score go up over time. As your score goes up, you should be more set up better to get more new customers. Um, Or if you don't know how to fix the the issues that we identify, then you know we give you a path to either upgrade, and we'll give you step by steps, or you upgrade again, and we'll fix it for you, and we'll launch a campaign and build a video for you, and put it on you know Facebook and YouTube and those kind of things. So it's really from... It has all flavors from the guy that's a, a side hustle business that just wants to do things on his own pace at his own time to somebody that's ready to really just take their business to the next level and say, I need to launch a campaign. I need to do it the right way. And I need you know, my cost per lead to be less than what it is today. And you know, in under 45 days, we'll take them from zero to 100 uh, pretty easily. And
2: I think uh, in a, in a, like a special point to all this is, there's so many business owners out there that have attempted to do advertising or they think that if they you know, post on Instagram and they get a lot of followers or likes, it translates to revenue. Not really the case. There are definitely the lucky ones that nail it on Instagram, nail it on social media, and they definitely drive customers, right? That's, that's, that's absolutely a, a, a fact. But the, the real special sauce is how do you thread the needle of, of getting a campaign or a marketing campaign out there and being able to look at the analysis on what's actually driving a customer from clicking your ad into your actual location or online. And that, you know, the leap of logic, and that's something that we specialize in. But that leap of logic is something that we offer as part of our baseline platform just to get them educated on. Because something like, you know, Google Analytics, it's it's not a scary term. It's actually a really powerful way to understand how many people are visiting your website, how many people are then actually converting to the thing that you want them to convert. But let's face it, Google Analytics is super complicated and like very messy to understand. I'm a marketer, and I still look at it and I'm like, yeah I don't, I don't I don't know all the time what's going on so you know the 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 business owner who I think about is then looking at Google Analytics at eight o'clock at night, her feet hurt. Is she really understanding what just happened on her website that day to get more traffic? No, so that's where we can step in and really just kind of be that guide and that coach, you know without charging these crazy amounts of monthly prices so um, the thread the needle approach is something I think that's going to be even more important for customers and, and businesses to understand, um, because that's going to be a big part of, of how they get customers moving forward. Is not just launch an ad, but then you know the A/B testing, the analytics behind it. That's the really important secret sauce. So it's all iterative too. It's all just you know it's changing about every three months. So it's hard to keep up.
3: We'll we'll actually tell a business owner stop spending money on social media and ads. You are not ready. Like stop wasting your money. Like, Let's get that foundation built first and then maybe relaunch in whatever, 30, 45 days. But that's a lot of times people are shocked. It's, well, are you getting an ROI? Do you know if you're getting an ROI? No? Okay, well, that's the place to start. How do you know where you're going if you don't know where you're at? Um, And not only that, but our software, it, it tracks it. So we just are super transparent. So if we're doing the work or if they're paying an agency, they should be able to see what's going on. I might get an ROI, but so many business owners I talk to and they have no idea. I've only been paying. I mean, this one I just talked to and paying in, um, you know, a marketing company $1,500 a month for six months and she doesn't think she's gotten a single uh, uh, conversion or sale from it and doesn't know the traffic, doesn't know if it's improving month to month. She just gets fancy, you know, imagery and things like that sent to her, uh, you know, every couple of weeks, but has no idea if it's worth the money or not. And that's just mind-blowing to me. But that's how they're in the dark. And so at least she's trying. She's trying to leverage technology. So I give her that. At least she's trying to go get new customers. She hasn't figured it out yet. But, you know, like we said in the beginning, it's the ones that figure out that right mix. Um, Leveraging technology, being honest about what you're going to do yourself. And if you're not going to do it and stick with it and be consistent, then, you know, pay somebody else to do it. Right. Sure.
4: So let's... Let's stay on this just for a second and we'll kind of use this, uh, this woman that you uh, mentioned kind of as a, as a case study. So all those mistakes that you guys mentioned and things that business owners do, you know, I, I've, I've done uh, pretty much all of them. (laughs) Uh, I've learned a couple of things along the road. I was, I, I'm a marketing person uh, well, just by my, by my educational background, but uh, not, not so much by my trade. But I, I I understand marketing maybe just a teeny bit more than the uh, average person, but not not very much. So okay, so let's let's talk about this woman for a second. Okay, so she she probably engaged this new team because she wanted to grow her business, but probably did not have any type of strategy around doing that. She just like a lot of us, we go out, we say okay. We need to have an online presence we need to do ads and we need to drive, you know, engagement and traffic. And hopefully that's going to lead to some leads and opportunities for for new business. But what we don't do is we don't look at the entire puzzle. So what happens is we've got these puzzle pieces that are floating out in oblivion. There's no coordination amongst them. And so ultimately, they don't work and then we get uh we get jaded because we don't get any you know results from these from these uh strategies that we implement. So my question is you know you guys obviously have some really powerful data at your fingertips when you're when you're engaging these new customers or clients of yours. So what would you guys say like what are the top maybe two or three or four mistakes that people are making with their online presence. And then how do you how do you kind of help to bring these pieces together so that you can help them create that kind of that foundation that you alluded to?
3: I mean, I think the one thing the biggest mistake is um people get excited about advertising. So they want to be everything to everybody. And they feel like, oh, if I just cast this wide net and like for her, she has a salon, she does hair, she does eyebrows, she does lashes, she does facials and Like, well, yeah, but I can offer this to anybody. Like almost any woman could come in, but that's not how advertising works. That's how your website should work. Your website needs to have everything you do, the services, answer all the questions, frequently asked questions, what your address is and your phone number and your hours and about us and maybe some history. But when you're talking advertising, that's the biggest mistake I think people make is pick your top product or the one that you really want to go after, make your entire strategy around that. So, your top of the funnel stuff, meaning like that, the interest grabbing stuff at the top should just be about that one thing. So, you know, for her, it's pick, you know, if you're talking about just your eyelashes, pick that. Oh, you're going to run a class and you have a class in 45 days and you want to teach how to do um, eyelashes. Make it just about that for this campaign. And then don't send them to a website, send them to a landing page that is just about eyelashes. Um, and so, you know, that's the kind of key to advertising. And then you know, there's just some simple stuff that business owners miss, like not having a call to action button on your landing page or on even your website, not making it clear what you want them to do. Um, they miss that. Um, several things. They don't have a website that is mobile optimized um, or it loads. So here's a big one we're seeing a lot now. People are making their website mobile optimized as far as it looks great. But we run our score using our technology, and I'm seeing the load time you know, over 15 seconds. If you're over 5 seconds, well, first of all, as users, we just get bored and we close out or we think something's wrong. But Google hates it. So if you're actually paying for ads, or you're trying to get organic search, or spending any time or resources or money on SEO, and your, your mobile website is loading in 15 seconds, they're not going to pass you any traffic. And so now you're thinking that like maybe this campaign we're running just isn't working. It may be working, but Google's not passing any traffic because you're not loading fast enough. So there's some really technical low-hanging fruit things like having call-to-action buttons, like having a website that loads in under 3 seconds. Those are like the basics. And then the advanced is picking a niche, getting really good at that niche, and then making sure your campaign from beginning to end is about that niche. Um, without getting them sidetracked on the twelve other things that you could do, uh, it's about finding the, the the smaller group of clients that want that one thing, and then being the best at that one thing.
2: Well, and I think it's interesting that um, so to add to what Red was just saying, uh, I would actually think that p- part of it is ego of a, of a business owner that they uh, they're very inward focus. Uh, And what do I mean by that? Like they've gone through hell to get their business to where it's at today. So they market the way that they think would attract their type of customer. But the power of marketing is you can do different A-B tests. And not to get technical, but to Rhett's point, pick a couple of niches, one that you really think are your customers, then maybe one that you kind of have a theory around and do different images or do different taglines. See which one works because you don't have to wait six months to understand that you can wait two weeks with the power of digital marketing. And now all of a sudden, it's not like, you know, I mean, I kind of love being proven wrong as a marketer, because that means that, you know, ideally, you know, we're we're letting the marketing work for us versus trying to make us be the marketer. So I want the marketing work for, for, for me more. And I think so many business owners want that control, that they end up losing sight of like the purpose of it, which is, you just want more customers in the door. doesn't matter who has the best idea. It, it's the idea that wins. So you got to movie go a little bit and it's hard being a small business owner because you fight so darn hard for it. But I would recommend everyone to kind of you know, check it out the door.
1: Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, host of Tycoons of Small Biz and co-founder of Backbone Planning Partners. If you're listening to the program and you're wondering how you could also be a guest on our program, please reach out to us at backboneplanning.com. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it's mutually a good fit to have you on the program. And also, if you're thinking about your business and what we do at Backbone Planning Partners and helping our business owners to plan for their biggest asset, that being their business, and want to understand what it's worth and how that's beneficial to you in your financial planning journey, please also reach out to us at BackbonePlanning.com, and we'd be happy to provide a no-obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for listening to the show today. I agree. I, I think it's funny everything you guys have talked about. I'm sure you guys are familiar with this, but you know the the score reminds me of LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which I use. We use it in our business. It's actually how we connected with you guys and and uh you know got connected to have you guys on on the program. So that's one thing, but but, but if you look at it, it does give you a score and they've got their four different criteria and different things that you need to do to kind of boost your score. I forget what it's called. It's, Anyways, whatever score out of a hundred, right? And here's the thing like we we do, I think a pretty good job. I would h- hate for you guys to plug in backbone planning partners or tycoons of small biz into your software program and tell us how we really do, right? right? But the one thing that I do know that we do pretty well is we get guests on this program every single week. And it's almost exclusively through LinkedIn. Or personal introductions from people that were either past guests or from a PR firm that had a guest on that sort of thing, and so you know we're doing obviously a decent job, and we do track that con- that conversion. But I-, I guess for somebody who has an online presence, so not us, I'm just saying there are companies out there that have a decent online presence that have a number of followers that have landing pages with call to actions, but they're still not getting very good. Conversion, like what's what's the next step for those people? Is it engaging you guys or a firm like yours, or are there still some of those do-it-yourself type things they can do? What I guess what would you say to a firm that's in that position?
3: It's, it's all about just having a system in place to, like Jonathan said, test and reiterate. The faster you can test, get results. Which we use kind of two weeks with our clients, implement a campaign, put a little money towards it test. Now what are you testing? It's about if you're doing it yourself, how much can you handle yourself? If you're using an agency or a service like ours, there's you know you can A/B A B test the copy on the landing page. You can A B test imagery. You can A B test the ads on Facebook or Google or or YouTube. And then and so you can A B test a million things. It's how much are you you know really comfortable with. Um, and obviously the more advanced you're you're doing and how much more you're spending your cost is going to go up. But you know get the building blocks in place. Make sure all that tracking and everything else is done. And then just deciding, hey, like Jonathan said, you know, a lot of times when we A-B test something, the business owner's ego gets involved and they want to A-B test kind of the same thing. And it's like that, you know, like he said, we love it when we get a clear answer. Because that means, oh my God, we're on the right path here. Like, let's go down that path. We have a clear winner. It's really difficult when you run an A-B test and it's like 51% to 49 we didn't that, that's kind of on us we were like okay we got our own way here we kind of just made a test that was in the same direction we didn't make it difficult enough to really get an answer are we on the right path then when you get that right path and you can start a b testing more detailed things like imagery titles and things like that but um you know like he said um i think just overall it's having a system in place ours is a great starter look you can go upgraded services like you know my uh my soon to be father in law he has a real estate company and they're spending $5,000 a month. I don't want to, we don't market for real estate companies or realtors, but he's done, the building blocks are not in place. And they don't have a system in place to be testing this quickly. So they're on month three spending $5,000 a month and he really doesn't have any answers and he doesn't know if they're improving or what's worked and what doesn't. So you can go to somebody like us that's less than $1,000 a month and figure out those answers a lot more quickly. And then after, you know, hopefully with us, you're getting an ROI and you don't want to leave. But there are also companies that like, hey, look, they want to like have huge budgets and use huge agency type services. Great. You got the testing in place with us. You're launching off. Maybe you want to keep that going, but you want to take it to the next level or you're just in an industry that you don't, that we don't work with. That's fine. But you got to have that system in place to implement, look at the results, reiterate two weeks later and just got to have that system every two if you wait three months you're, you know, like he did, you know wasting 15 grand with not
2: much to show for. And, uh, well no yeah. go, well, go ahead I, okay. I, I, no. well so no, go ahead well I was just going to say I mean you know I was, I'm listening to Rhett and <laughs> you know for listeners I, I'm passionate about this because you know I, I have uh, I have two brothers that are in the small business world and um, like I think about the things that we're, the four of us are talking about, and I'll, I'll just throw it out right now. My older brother would probably called me a nerd. Because he's like, oh, yeah, that's not marketing, right? But reality is, is that, you know, this is what small business owners need to start to educate and understand on what is actually required moving forward. Like, it's not about just having that great product and service. It is starting to understand that, you know, your phone is now your retail window. Your phone is now your brand. And so the way that you show up on phone, desktop, everywhere... That's all coming from analytics and A/B testing and the things that we're talking about. Yes, you need a really strong brand and yes, you need that presence. But I would just you know you can get started without be- feeling intimidated about it, right? And that's really what you know our mission is is to help people get started. And to your point, the person who maybe is you know doing the A/B testing, everything like that, we're also okay with saying, hey, you're, you're you should do a marketing agency. You don't need Business Warrior right now. Use Business Warrior to gut check your marketing agency. Like we're okay with turning away business if it's not meant for us and not meant for you. So just get started on, on understanding it. I think that's, that's the big thing is uh, um, once you get there, then you don't have to, it doesn't have to be so scary. It doesn't have to be so
1: dirty. <laughs> well, I, I think that's, you know, that's a big deal. The, the way that you guys have said that, because I, I would venture to guess that 99% of the people listening to this program have done some sort of, marketing in the past. They've either engaged somebody to do it for them, or they've tried to do it themselves. And if they've engaged somebody to do it for them, there's very rarely some sort of a tracking mechanism in place, right? I mean, they're having a conversation with that marketing firm and they're saying, we've been paying you 1500 bucks a month, you know, to go back to your your, uh, example earlier, 1500 bucks a month for six months. And I can't track any leads from what you're doing. And the response typically from the marketing firm at that point is, "Well, we're we're building your brand. We're not generating leads, right?" And I think that business owners are tired of hearing that response. Yeah. And and you guys are giving a different response, right? Like after two weeks, we should be able to track if something's working, and if not, we switch and do something a little bit different. And you you go tighter on a niche, or you understand that you know that's really not a great place to be picking up clients. You know, there's there's Action steps six, along the, the way. The six month
3: mark is still a good like goal for ROI. Um, yeah, agreed. You gotta like you know I wouldn't pick any contract or anything like that. Like you gotta give them six months. But I do use the two week mark. Like if you're not seeing them making changes every two weeks, so it's like probably thirty to sixty days to get something launched. And so then by month three, you know it should be every two weeks iterating, and then really month three to six, which which should be seeing consistent improvement so that you can see that light at the end of the tunnel when, you know, those costs and that profitability crosses and you're seeing that return. But if you're, if you're in month four and you're not seeing the improvement and you're not seeing the iteration, like, yeah, bail. It, it is a little bit like
2: weight loss. Like the first 30 days, you don't lose a lot of weight. Right. But man, like if you're consistent about it, which is what we're, which is what we're you know talking about so much, like, if you're not losing weight after 60 days, you should probably fire your trainer. You should probably fire your marketing group if you're not seeing results. After 60
1: days. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's really not a
4: problem.
3: <laughs> <for me. laughs> a Park City Guns, right there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, the other, I mean, the other side of this whole thing too is just most business owners just don't know their numbers, quite honestly, um, and they don't know how to leverage cash flow. And you know, they scrape, scrape, and fight, but they're not good at accounting. Um and you know, I know you guys work closely in that industry, but we sit all the time. They just don't know. And most small business owners, they run their personal lives out of their business too. So, you know, how uh how can you make decisions when all that stuff is intertwined? Well, they get by and they do and they figure out a way. But when it comes to like, okay, I need to carve out whatever it is, a thousand dollars a month or three thousand a month for advertising, like, oh, I, I can't I can't do that. When we know, like all they need to do is really get tight in their numbers and know have some clear goals, have some clear management processes in, um, actually watch their numbers on a month-to-month basis, things open up. so we kind of known that as well. Like the 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 other piece of what we're doing at Business Warrior is it always has driven me crazy when a business owner finally reaches that point when they're ready to take their business to the next level, but their credit cards are probably maxed. But they finally have it figured out they can get new customers, whether they're using us or not. They're ready to take their business to the next level, but they're like, "Wait, now I don't have access to cash," and because all their personal finances or business finances are all intertwined, you know, they can't get loans or anything else. They really have had a lack of options. So um, we've been working really hard to actually launch our own uh, loan lending program that's coming out uh, probably end of October. So uh, we're super excited. We're using you know a really new way to underwrite businesses using like their most recent success. Not you know old traditional ways of just being solely uh, reliant on FICO and that kind of thing, or you know assets like a house and have to put up your house and all those other things. So you're talking unsecured credit loans from five to fifty thousand, and really getting these businesses like oh my god they're seeing ROI on ads, but they don't have any cash to grow. Well, we have the data; we can see that. Wouldn't it be nice to offer them you know a fairly priced loan? Yeah. I don't think there's many fairly flat priced options out there for small businesses right now. It's they can get an SBA loan from their bank, which is like next to impossible to get. That takes you know ninety to one hundred twenty days, or they can take the last resort, which is a cash advance, which is basically predatory lending at you know forty to sixty percent interest rate. What's in between? I haven't seen it. Um, so you know we're launching that. So we've been building that uh, for the last few months, and we're pretty excited to launch that here coming up soon too. There's actually a funny story
2: about that, uh, which is uh, coming from Court America. Like you, you spend your life like building your personal credit up, and then Rhett and I, I you know was that entrepreneur life, and I applied for a small business loan for our uh, former business, and we got declined from the bank, and I was like, but no, like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Why would that be the case? And they and I just it was such a shocking experience coming from. Thinking that you as an individual have good credit, but the bank looks at you still as a risk. And quite honestly, how many small business owners put their whole life and personal credit into it and then still get turned down? I'm just, you know, Rhett and I are both tired of it, right? Like they, they deserve to unlock their happiness. No, they don't get $100,000 every single time, but they should get the opportunity to get some money without automatically getting declined from the bank. So, you know, we're, we're, our next phase of that is, is really turning that whole experience around. I don't want anybody to feel like I did, you know, five years ago. So it, uh, <laughs> it was an eye-opening experience for me, man.
4: Yeah, it, 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 it is very interesting that, uh, you know, if you've got a job, you know, a W-2 job making, you know, $100,000 a year, you can go out and purchase a $500,000 house, probably, <laughs> no, no problem. But then you, you quit your job and you want to get a fifty or hundred thousand dollar loan to start a business, and they're like, "No freaking way! Get the heck out of here!" Yeah. The, the larger or even if your business is doing the same amount, your business could be doing
3: a hundred and fifty grand, and you're not even asking the five hundred. You just want fifty. <laughs> like, right? No chance. Right,
4: right. and, and uh, to to uh, Jonathan's point, the only thing in between the SBA and the the, the predators. Is really like family and friends, you know? And And you can only ask your family for so much money. (laughs) 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 Eventually, you know, they stop answering your phone calls because they know why you're calling, you know? So, yeah. But uh, I I love what you guys are doing. Austin and I have had several successful marketing, SEO firms and the like come onto the program. Mm -hmm. And they do a fantastic job at what they do. But I love that you guys, um, your approach is, is different. And I would imagine that your customer base is a little bit different as well. So talk to us a little bit about like, what's, what's a typical customer look like for, for Business Warrior? Maybe you can speak to you know, uh, length in business, number of employees, revenue, whatever is kind of
3: relevant. Typically, yeah, it's an owner-operator, so they're very involved in the business. They they're not quite; it's it's more than a side hustle for them. This is their primary business. This is their lifeblood. They're also more; they're they actually are probably have at least a couple employees. So it's I would say three plus employees. Um, but they're not at the stage where they're doing a half million a year and they can afford to pay their own person to do just advertising or just look at technology. They're still trying to handle that themselves. A lot of them have like a family member doing it or. One of those employees is doing like spending 10% of their time on technology and website and things like that. That's, and then, you know, industry type, we're, um, you know, like I said, we're not, we're the owner operator service area businesses, some retail. We're not great at e commerce. We just don't focus on e commerce. We don't focus on real estate. So we have a lot of salons. We have a lot of uh, service area businesses, pest control guys, um, AC repair. Yep. Yeah, HVAC, uh, pool guys. I would say you know, one like, of the one of the up and coming is kind of like of go oh, no, Go ahead. I think some tax and accounting firms as well because they're great at running the numbers and running the business, but they typically don't know or don't want to spend any time setting up their website or marketing. Right, so that kind of like is the that's the consistent theme is they are usually really passionate about that one thing in their business, but marketing and website is not it. it but they're they need it but they don't, it's where you we're, we're, we let the, the e-commerce guys for somebody else, because they really, if you're doing running run an e-commerce store and you really need to be paying somebody you know, five grand a month or more to just run your store, that is your lifeblood. Life like our software is not going to be enough. You need somebody doing that hundred percent and they need to have their own you know, 10 set of tools. And we may be one of those tools that they use, but that's, you know, that's not our target. But everybody else you know, in between side hustle and them is us. And definitely your just right. definitely your sister in uh, um, law <laughs> in
2: California. So it would be like that that hybrid boutique that's like figuring out online. So you know that that is a new generation of business owners. They may have a brick and mortar, but they're you know still debating on how much do you go online versus how do you have that experience. Like that is who we are perfect for because we're able to quickly get them measured and then accelerate their needs. So yeah, definitely your sister or sister-in-law, sister in law. Sorry,
1: sister, sister, sister. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we're quickly running out of time, but I, I can't let you guys get off the program without talking about what you guys just kind of slipped in at the end of our pre-qualification call. And that's the fact that you guys have recently gone public. So we'd love to hear the story behind that, how, how you guys did it, how that came about, why you did it. Um, I'm sure there are some listeners that would appreciate hearing that story.
3: Yeah. I mean, we decided to, you know, build this software platform and, uh, you know, really had huge plans to really scale and, you know, but when you have a SaaS platform, you know, you need some funding. We, Jonathan and I basically had funded this uh, by ourselves along with some friends and family, but to take it to the next level, it was how we're going to get some outside funding. So, um, you know, started going the route with VCs and past investors that I had known from my past business. And it just, you know, it was so time consuming and exhausting And when it came down to really talking to the nitty gritty of a deal, you know, it looks like we're going to give up anywhere from 40 to 70% of the company. And that still may be okay if you're getting the right amount of funding to, you know, give up a chunk of your company. But then what is, what comes with it? What kind of controls do they want? And immediately it was like, oh, use this company for this and use it. And it was like, no, we had a plan. We were very clear on what needed to get built. We had the team in place. Um, We really just needed the right partner. So uh, we went this other route. Uh, doing a reverse merger, which is funny. SPACs are like the big thing in magazines and news now. Um, So, you know, reverse mergers is is kind of like that, but different. So we reversed into an existing public company, took it over. I became chairman of the board, um, you know, and then we also inherited a nice group of existing shareholders. And they're super happy now because, you know, it was a, you know, less than a penny before that. And, you know, now we're at 23 cents or whatever. So they've all made a good chunk. But so we went through that. And then we also finished that merger on January 31st of 20. And COVID really started hitting us hard, you know, February, March, April. So all of the financing plans that we had kind of lined up post-merger just got delayed like crazy. So, you know, nobody was working at the SEC and things were shut down. And so we went through all of that. Um, But in the end, it worked. So we filed to get a Regulation A approved. We had some amazing success at the company. So really, the time that we got delayed because of COVID let us really mature as a company, improve our software. We got traction in the market. Our products and solutions got better. We put up great results. The Regulation A, uh, which is like a financing uh, uh, medium, got approved. We found a great partner who was going to fund our Regulation A I would say at the beginning of COVID was vastly different than the one we chose later on. You know, it went from, you know, having to maybe choose a shark, which would be similar to the VC world to somebody that's really a great partner for us that's in it for the long haul. And so it all, it all worked out in the end. We're still startup. We still have, you know, I'd say just under 15 employees. So we saw that, that startup mentality, but we're, you know, stacked with cash right now so we can build the product. That we want, we have beefed up the infrastructure, the security behind uh, the product. We've added added so many members of the team, so we've really been able to take this really unique route of going public, getting a Reg A approved by the SEC, finding the right partner, having success along the way, and it all just kind of turned out in our favor. So uh, things are things are good right now. We're pretty happy and blessed, grateful.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool story because I I've personally never had a conversation with somebody who's done a reverse merger, right? It's uncommon. It's not, it's not something that comes up every day. It's a very strange way to go public. Right. But it it worked for you guys. And it sounds like it was a really cool opportunity that, you know, I'm sure it didn't fall into your lap, but you know, almost kind of fell into your lap. No, it was was a
3: big risk at the time. I mean, you save a lot of money going, doing it this route from the traditional going public, route. You save a lot of money. The difference between a reverse merger and a SPAC is a, a SPAC gets a group of people. They put a bunch of money together, and they create a new company that's public, and they have all this money, but they don't have any real com- operating company behind it yet. So they do the money first. So the only difference is we merged with a company, we have the operating company, and then we went and got the financing afterwards. But it's very similar. It's kind of you know merging into a public entity and then taking over that entity. But either way, when you're public, you got to have a plan. You got to hit your plan. You got to hit your numbers and you got to execute. And then you got to be good at communicating that plan to the public. And so if you don't have the right, you know, team or resources, you know, in place to do that, then, you know, you're going to fail whether you're a heavily funded SPAC or you're a reverse merger, uh, you know, scraping by to fight another day.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, Landon mentioned at some point you're you're always having to report to your family and friends that invested in the company, but that seems like a cakewalk once it's time to actually report to shareholders, honor. <laughs> so well, the nice thing about the friends and
3: family now is they ha- they can just look on their stock app and see what the price is. And right now everybody's pretty happy, including us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. I like the greens. Greens are good.
4: Green <laughs> <laughs> is good. hey i'll I'll just throw this out here okay you know we we did have one other company come on here that was public and we didn't even we didn't know about it until we had our initial call with them and uh we actually had we had lunch with him the other day and we, we we were just totally joking and we said hey we just did some back of the napkin math and when you came on the show your stock was at X, and now it's up about—I think it was like seventy percent or something like that. And they're a really small public company, you know, uh, in, in relation to uh, other ones. But uh, so we'll, we'll we'll be happy to track your progress the next six to twelve months and see how this uh, see how this translates to some good growth for you guys. But yes, love it.
3: Add BZWR to your stock tracking app for sure. <laughs> 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 right.
1: The power of tycoons with small biz. That's and, and right. Pushing, pushing That's price, price. What's, what's price.
4: the
3: price right now? Let's let's see what happens, right?
4: <laughs> yeah. Looks like it's 20, 22 cents even. All right. All right. So for the record, 22 cents even. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we, we are officially out of time, but uh, really enjoyed the conversation with you guys. Clearly, you're doing some great things in your business and for the business owner clients that you guys are serving. What, what's the best way for people to track you guys down if they want to get some more information or connect with you?
3: Businesswarrior.com. Very simple. Easy. Just like it's spelled. spelled. Yep. Businesswarrior.com. You click, you can, yeah, you just click on a free trial. Like I said, you'll start to get some value just by throwing your business in there. And if you're uh, an investor and you just want to buy stock, you can go to our investors page. It says what platforms you can buy stock. Go on there, like E-Trade you just go plug in BZWR and buy some stock. Otherwise at the top, you know, click, click to start a free trial, throw your business in there. You're not committed to anything. You'll start to get some data about your business. And then, uh, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory from there.
4: Easy enough. Easy enough. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, we, uh, we look forward to, uh, watching you guys and following your success and, uh, let's make sure we have you back on here in six six or 12 months and you guys can give us an update on uh, how things are going.
2: Absolutely. Thank great. you so much. I
4: really right, appreciate today. Thanks
3: so awesome. Much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.
0: You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance.